Hey everyone, welcome back to all my listeners. This is episode number three of season nine. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. My name is Sonal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, all right, you guys, we just had Mother's Day on Sunday, and I hope you all enjoyed it tremendously. I hope you got a chance to celebrate all of the amazing women in your lives as well who are mothers or those who mother, be it a fabulous aunt that you have or a sister or a girlfriend. These are the women who champion young hearts and minds into becoming all they were meant to be. I'm truly blessed to be a mother myself, and I'm surrounded by an endless list of such women. I truly hope that you guys had a fantastic Mother's Day. And for those of you that lost your mom, know that she's always there. She's never too far away, and she's still helping to guide you whenever you need her. Now, in today's Newsworthy, I'm going to be featuring another interview that I was invited to with my good friend, Betty Hovey, on her fantastic show, Healthcare Happenings. So in this entire conversation we had, it's filled with trusty tips and my compliance recommendations as well for our second part of our three-part series on medical coding audits. And in this part two conversation, we focus on actually performing the medical coding audit. So I can't wait to share that interview with you. And then, of course, to close out the episode and to round it out, I'm going to be focusing on a remarkable quote in Spark on success by Robert F. Kennedy. If you guys have checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and our valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help all your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and kindly drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and definitely start following this podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. And as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I'm bringing you the news, current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips and my compliance recommendations based on my over 12 years of experience in front office, in back end, in coding, and in billing for multi-specialty physicians, in compliance, and in auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. Today's episode is sponsored by Advanced Coding Services, a leading medical billing and medical coding school in the United States. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned professional, our training equips you with the tools and support you need to advance your career. Our medical billing and coding school meets your needs worldwide online or in person with one-on-one -on -one support throughout your training. We are committed to helping our alumni and credentialed medical community in keeping up their certifications by offering various avenues for acquiring your continuing education units. In addition to our Mastering the Business of Medicine retreats offered several times throughout the year in different parts of the country, 
we now offer memberships. You can conveniently earn your CEUs by attending our exclusive members-only webinars. Since our aim is to nurture and grow the careers of individuals who work in the business of medicine, we call our member area the Apple Orchard. Advanced Coding Services. Educate. Nurture. Inspire. Reaching back with a hand up. Hey y'all, happy baby Friday. Uh, Betty here with Compliant Healthcare Solutions and I am once again welcoming my good friend and colleague, Sonal Patel from SP Collaborative. Hey Sonal. Hi Betty, how are you today? Good, how about yourself? Not too bad, enjoying some warm weather finally up here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we, we, are, um, we actually hit 91 or something like that wow. today. Awesome. Very, very pleasant here. Nice. Nice. I <laughs> love is, it. Which is where I get my, 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 your gorgeous tan. <laughs> yes. That's what I need. I'm in desperate need of a glow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we got a lot of people coming in already. So great. So, um, awesome. I see, uh, Marie, my, my friend, Marie Turner from Chicago is on. Hey, Marie. Hi, Marie. And Ladriba, of course, is back with us today. So, hey to you, Ladriba. Hi, Ladriba. Um, and uh, Grabiella, I know she's been on uh, with us a couple times. So, I hey, uh, hope everybody's having a good Thursday. Um, we are going to talk about the second in our series of audit when we started the the audit discussion um, a couple broadcasts ago. Um, we just couldn't get through everything in one session, so we decided to kind of do a three-part. So last time we talked about planning the audit, you know, a retrospective, prospective, all of that other good stuff. Um, and today we're going to talk about actually doing the audit. So we're going to talk about like some tools and uh, different things that you can use and um, answer, you know, like if y'all have questions, again, start throwing them in there for us and we'll kind of get to them and discuss them as we go through stuff. Um, and that's our subject today. And then uh, in the future, um, I know we have it scheduled, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have looked before we came on. Um, we're going to do our part three, which is after the audit, like what do you do presenting your findings, all of that kind of stuff. So we're going to totally wrap up our audit stuff here. Um, but before we start on that, just wanted to check in because so I know that you have a little news for everybody on the SP Collaborative company. That's right. You guys have been waiting, I know, but that website of mine is finally up and active. So there it is. It's on the screen, www.spcollaborative.net. So come on by and visit my gallery of services. Um, so I'm already experiencing quite an uptick in work from the website and people just reaching out. So the audits are coming in fast and furious once again, um, even for me in my little company. So um, this conversation that we're having together today is pretty timely and appropriate. And I, for one, am really happy that we took the time to develop a series, right? Because I know so many people do try and teach auditing like in a one hour webinar, you know, and we're talking a mile a minute 
um, and we miss so much, right? Yeah. So I really do think that having a three-part series is a good um, first step in this conversation, um, especially because as we've talked about before in our ENM series together as well, that our ENM stuff has totally changed, right? In 21 and 23. So the two pieces kind of go hand in hand. Um, and it, it but, seems like with the E&M stuff, too, they keep coming out <clears throat> with little tweaks throughout yes. the year, you yes. know, where either either the AMA or CMS yeah. will, like, put a little thing out there. Like, uh, like April, we had the ones from AMA. From right. And right. so I'm sure that CMS, you know, will be putting a little something out here soon. I know oh, I got a sure. thing that the AMA just put out their CPT quarterly thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's got a whole section about E&M in the back of it. So Great. if y'all get that, make sure you take a look at um, this quarters um, to, to kind of see what they're talking about in there. They're talking about like the revamping of it and stuff. It's, it's like a little flip book that's electronic now that they send out. So um, that's something that's nice. good to take a to take a peek at. Yeah. Uh, but yes, and and for those of y'all who um, have not been to Sonal's website, obviously you might not have found her yet because we didn't have everything up, but uh, it is just a beautiful website. So uh, you will really, really love looking at the site. It's just very pretty, all the colors and everything that runs through. It's just fabulous. Our friend uh, Patty Hernandez of Fired Up Creative uh, is the one that set both my site and Sonal's site up. So if you like our websites and you're looking for some kind of graphic stuff, Patty Hernandez at Fired Up Creative is who designed both of them. So uh, if you want to get connected with her for anything, let either one of us know and, and we'll hook you up with Patty or you can look for her on LinkedIn. Uh, her name is Patricia Hernandez. So uh, she is just wonderful. So I had to had to plug our girl Patty. So absolutely, yeah, she's a gem. She's a real she find. Is. Absolutely, yeah, love it. And then also before we get started, um, and and other than the the website finally being live, yeah. any other stuff on the horizon with you that you you know any want to put out there for us? I want to give you time. Yes, thank you. Well, you know, Paint the Medical Picture podcast is in its ninth season. Um, the second episode just dropped on Wednesday. So I've pushed ahead into yet another season. It's like my 140th episode, something crazy. So definitely find me on Spotify. Um, it's a great podcast, uh, again, just about providing the news of what is going on. Um, I especially like to focus on our OIG work plan, fraud, waste, and abuse, a lot of my um, compliance tips and recommendations this week's drop. Um, focuses on that modifier 25, sorry, once again, because it's still in the news, right, with that ridiculous signal policy that is slated to take effect here on May 25th. Um, mm -hmm. It was the 23rd, but now it's the 25th, whatever. So I think they're still really going to push this out, despite all of the physicians and the AMA, the society's backing the fact that this is a warranted modifier, right? If the documentation supports it. But anyway, so that's for my podcast. Um, my good friend here, Betty, and I are planning to 
reveal another podcast that she and I are starting together. I'm not going to tell you the title of it just yet, but it's going to feature myself and Betty, and we will bring on some guests from time to time. But of course, it's going to um, be in this same space about compliance in yes. healthcare billing and coding. So, yeah. So those cool. are some of my good new things. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, and uh, also, we wanted to once again talk about the Mastering the Business of Medicine Retreat by the Sea for those of y'all who either didn't hear us last time you weren't on. We had Beth Schlieper from Advanced Coding Services on, and she is the one that has put together these retreats. And y'all, they are just fabulous. Uh, it's very casual. Um, you know, she, I, in fact, I think one of her promos that she did, she was like no makeup with a t-shirt on, you know, cause she's like, you know, come as you want to come. So you don't have to like get conference dressed up, you know, in a business attire as you're going around. She's, you know, shorts, t-shirts, flip flop, whatever you want to wear, you know, just be comfortable. Uh, it's in San Diego. It is June 9th through the 11th. So it's Friday through Sunday. Uh, and all of your things are included. So it's, it's one fee for everything. So your meals, your room, all the sessions, uh, it's worth 18 CEUs. So for those of y'all who have one credential, you can get a year's worth of your CEUs in a weekend. And you get to see me and Sonal. <laughs> so, uh, and a lot of other people like Christine Hall, Brenda Edwards, um, Pam Vanderbilt, and Beth, of course, too. So um, it, it's going to be just uh, really, really a, a good time and good networking. Um, Song, do you want to uh, say anything about the retreat? Sure. Well, you know, this is going to be our first time attending in San Diego. And, you know, I'm just really excited for this unique opportunity to provide education um, to everybody in the field who wants to know more and needs those 18 CEUs, right? Most importantly. So I think this is a really good um, retreat type of an event, right? Totally different than these big conferences that we are used to attending. Um, and in terms of the price point, I think it's incredibly affordable since everything is included, right? Your education, yeah. your lodging, and your food, everything is included. So it's pretty remarkable. And I just wanted to remind our watchers out there that um, this retreat concept of Beth's is supposed to be um, offered throughout the country. So we will have to stay tuned for where it will be heading to next. I believe she wants to post it in, I think, September or October. Um, so we will have to wait and see where that location for that second retreat of the year is going to be. So very exciting. Um, and I can't wait. And I hope all of you can make it. It's just a few weeks away. So you still have time to um, register and come see us in San Diego. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and we'll have, uh, like, I'm going to do an E&M Ninja session. So yeah. we're going to take some uh, evaluation and management records and yeah. practice on them. I designed a, a game, a coding game, and we're going to play that. And Sonal's got a couple sessions she's going to do um, on networking yes. and... The new that? auditing standards for 23. Yep. Okay. 
So yeah, you can hear about them from her and then come and put them into practice with me in my session. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And there'll, there'll be some uh, uh, session on the No Surprises Act, um, one on risk. Um, and mm -hmm. we're going to do a new session, a concept that I came up with that Beth thought was good. So, so That's I'm really idea. excited about this. Mm -hmm. We're going to have like a panel discussion of those of us that are there as speakers that want to, that are consultants and uh, y'all will be able to come and ask us whatever your questions are. If you're interested in becoming a consultant uh, or you have your you know regular job and you're looking for maybe like a side gig kind of thing. Um, so it's gonna be kind of like an open forum with Beth moderating to where y'all can ask us questions about getting clients and you know how do you set things up and all that kind of stuff website do you need one or not you know so um that i think will be very valuable for those of y'all that are thinking about making that leap or that turn exactly it was a great idea because i do think there's so many people in the industry who are looking to branch out um, if not grow their career, definitely keep it as a side hustle. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a really valuable panel talk as well. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And by the way, we will also be um, trying to provide little snippets, a little live stream conversation here or there, just to tease all of you who couldn't quite make it to San Diego. Um, we will put ourselves on camera with either my podcast or here with healthcare happenings um, in June when we're in yes. San Diego. So, yeah. And I just put the link here for the retreat into the chat. So those of y'all that are watching can, you know, be able to get it from in there. And by the time we're done today, I'll also put Sonal stuff uh, over there. I know I did the SP collaborative, but I'll put her other stuff over there too for y'all to, to be able to go to and access. So yes, wonderful. And a couple of people like um, Lady, uh, hey Lady. Hi Lady. She made a comment um, that we're, you know, anybody that's attending will love it. Mm -hmm. So she was there last year and it's a phenomenal retreat. So yes, very, very good time. And uh, Grabiella is saying she's like hoping the stars align so that she can see us there. So we hope that you can make it too. Yes, we do. So yes, we'll uh, we'll have a really good time. Oh, Rosemine is on. Hey, Rosemine. Hey, Rosemine. Nice. All right. So on to our topic for today. And as I said before, y'all, as you have questions, go ahead, please put them in the comments so we can address them. Um, we're going to talk about actually doing the audit. What kind of tools? Do you uh, need or maybe make yourself uh, available, you know, uh, to take a look at um, different people like different things and like to use different things. So uh, some of the things we throw out there, you may check out and, you know, they might not you know, be something that, that you like or want to use or whatever. But we're just giving suggestions. And as we go through some of these things, if y'all that are listening, uh, use something specific or uh, rely on a tool or anything like that, 
please go ahead and throw it in the chat for everybody else to be able to to take a look at uh, because that's you know why we're all on here today is to um you know network with each other and to share information so that it benefits everybody and lord knows i don't know everything so, right. so you know um we, we put out there what we what we know and um i think we're really good in in our community in our field at sharing things with each other i mean you know you get some people that you know are a little bit stingy with you know what they're going to share but i think for the most part we realize there's more than enough to go around and hoarding information doesn't really benefit the field so if you love what you do you need to kind of pass things along so you know i i mean i'm not going to be doing this forever um you know so uh we need those next people coming up to be able to know all these these things to to be able to keep the profession going on uh, and i saw this morning um i think i think the company is posting it there was an article put out that talks about the fact that now they're looking at a shortage of coders Oh. because of the gain in everything that's going on in the field and the aging population and that, you know, so they're, they're stating that there's going to be a shortage of coders um, uh, in, in the industry. So that's something to kind of be mindful of and, and watch for the article that I didn't write it, you know, but uh, it talks about, a I think it's one of Baptist hospitals that like created their own, coding university kind of thing mm -hmm. where they had PMCC brought in to uh, allow their staff to go through training to become certified coders. And then after getting certified, they're allowing them to work at home. And, you know, so they're, they're putting together this whole thing to grow their own because mm -hmm. they, they couldn't find people to hire. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think those are, are great things to, to look out for and to kind of just keep an eye out for. So it was kind of, I thought it was an interesting article. All right, let me see if we got. Oh, Lori, you're well. Lori said thank you for sharing my now. I, yeah, again, we, we, that's what we like to do. We, we, we love doing this stuff. So um, I thank y'all for, you know, paying attention to us. <laughs> um, all right. Um, oh, and thanks to everybody that wished me a happy birthday. I appreciated that. Um, that was that was very nice. So um, just want to say thanks. So tools doing the audit. Um, I find that before I do an audit, when I'm getting into an audit, I don't know about you, Sonal, but I kind of try to have all my stuff lined up to where I can work in an efficient manner. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to touch a record, whether it be a physical record. It's been a long time since I've gotten actual physical paper charts, you know, right. but even electronically, if I have to go into the chart and then I'm doing something and then I have to go back into it again, you know, it, it, it's, it's wasteful. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's wasteful of my time. Um, and so I like to try to have everything lined up at how I'm going to do it. So I like to have my spreadsheet up. I like to have it set up. I like to have my tools up that I'm going to use so that I go into the patient I audit the record as I'm auditing to record. I'm entering the information, you know, so that I'm just smoothly going, you know, and not having to go back, yeah. um, you know, back in the old days when we we're on paper, you know, I, I would spend time 
highlighting, coding, doing whatever, you know, on, on the, on the copy of the record and then have to go and put that information then into the spread. So it was like doing the work twice. twice. Double. So yeah. Um, yeah. one tip that I would just give to people is, you know, try to kind of have your ducks in a row when you get set up and ready to do it so that you're only touching things once or, you know, as little as possible. Cause sometimes you just have to go back in and look at something else. Maybe you have to go look at a lab or a path or something like that. So you end up having to go somewhere else, but you want to do as little of that as possible. Um, I, I don't know. So if, if you're kind of like that same like mentality. Yeah. In your yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely the same. Um, I like to wait to receive all of the items that I requested. Right. I don't want to go in and start working just to wait for something that I asked for. Right. I like to wait. Um, and you're absolutely right. You have to have all of your tools open. Right. Separate tabs, separate screens. Um, I don't like to do things on paper anymore. Um, I like to just do the work once on the computer, right? Instead of repeating the work from the paper, like your handwriting notes, something like that, which then you're re-entering into the computer. Um, I agree with you. That is double work. Um, I've done that in previous positions and it was wasteful of my time right? Um, you, you have to realize how to become more efficient. And that's absolutely right. I still am old school. I like to use the Excel spreadsheet. I know we'll talk about that later in our conversation today. But if other people like to use software, that's out there, that's, that's great. But I still like to use my um, Excel spreadsheets and create them the way I want them to look clean and professional, you know, so the provider, the hospital, whoever is the recipient, um, you know, can can understand their comprehensive audit findings, right, that need to be input on those cells of the Excel spreadsheet. Um, yeah. Poor Terry, I had to put it. Um, what did she say? Terry says, you're lucky. I just got 200 paper charts that, of course, are not legible from a hospital physician group and also another 100 from a payor. And they printed everything. So several trees had to die, die for, for this. Oh, my God. Now, I do have one wow. client right now that I'm doing an audit for that it is on paper, but luckily they scanned it and they sent it to me. So right. um, I am trying to look at illegible handwriting and so i'm blowing things up and i'm <laughs> so it's, it's a little difficult yeah that the handwritten chart notes boy who and, and i i thought as i started doing it i said man back in the day i was so good at reading that chicken scratch totally but once we moved into the ehrs and everything was so nice and pretty now i get one of those handwritten charts and i'm like oh my lord you know so now i'm back to trying to figure out you know is that a p a q a, you know so um yes yes bless you terry that's all i gotta say i know that is, that is definitely it's painful fun. that's painful yeah and we have other oh see uh, annette she says she does hers in, in excel so that's good nice. um lady excel can never be old. I love it. Yep. Uh, Haley, same. Excel is my best friend. So we're getting a lot of, awesome. uh, okay, good. A lot of good. Excel, Excel people Perfect. on here too. Perfect. Um, 
Terry oh, said holding it up to the light doesn't work anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, you know, back in the day, yeah, for those of y'all that are, are, are newer and have never experienced those, we used to have to do a whole lot of fun stuff to try to decipher these charts right. when we would get them in, in in a handwritten manner. Back in the day when we would do, um, uh, I had an office that was on pegboard, believe it or not, uh, that I was working with. So yeah, that was that was the worst. Um, but you know, we, we deal with what we have, right? And not everybody's right. electronic. Uh, yep. Some places choose not to because the physician doesn't like it. Some places it's because they're small and they don't think they can afford it, you know, right. so whatever. So mm -hmm. if you're looking into doing this as a service, you probably are going to come across somebody or if you're looking at back issues, because sometimes a payor may be looking at things that are back from 2016, 2017, and maybe back then they weren't on the EHR yet. So, you know, you may have to be, you know, trying to decipher hieroglyphics uh, at, at some point. Yep. So um, then with, with the tools that I like to use, um, I always like to have first, I ask the client for uh, their policies and procedures on coding and e &M if I'm looking at primarily e &M that are in their compliance program, um, which usually brings a response of, you know, we don't have any policies or we don't even have a compliance program. <laughs> so that starts a whole different discussion with them that you can have and, and that there are still practices out there. And I, 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 these kind of things just amaze me when I keep coming across them. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but there are still practices out there that don't think they need to have a compliance program um, because back however many decades ago that was, they came out with the, you know, suggested one. It was just suggested for small practices, mm -hmm. but that no longer is the case. And people, I think, still harp back to that time because, you know, they don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so they're going to be like, no, we don't have to do that. Uh, and I find that that's like one of the first issues that I come across when I'm doing audits is how about you, Sonal? Yeah. When you have the smaller providers come in. Yeah. That's, that's the number one thing that kind of stops you right from moving forward. Um, you want to really help them establish one and you're absolutely right. And I think probably 98% of the cases, they don't have one. They don't even have a skeleton of one, right? So um, much more conversation comes out of that. Um, they're admitting that they don't have one. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That, that's also one of the first things that I think everybody should be asking for when yes. you you know, are involved in their audit requests. Yeah, yeah. because when you're doing an audit, um, if you don't have standards from them, you know, and yeah. you're auditing by CMS, maybe they don't go by CMS. Maybe they go by CPT when it doesn't agree with CMS, but if they don't have policies on that, how are you supposed to know that? So you wanna make sure, uh, especially if you're doing this, you know, as an out, now internally, if you work where you're doing it, you're going to know. But if you're looking at, you know, doing them externally, you need to make sure you're apples and apples looking at things. It's not fair to audit a practice under, just like when we had the two sets of guidelines, right? 
Um, you wouldn't want to audit a practice under the 97 guidelines if they use the 95 guidelines. You know, it's not always going to make a difference, but it could. And so you don't want to, you know, be auditing them under some guidelines that they don't use because then, you know, secondarily, when you go and give them the audit report and you're talking about things, then, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? You, talking about? you know, and then right. you know, so then you bring up another mess of do I have to redo some of these now or do it, you know, so always, always ask for that before you start the audit so that you know what they use. Um, I, I, I think that starts you off on the best foot when you're going, because that's something that you're going to have to read through and look at and see what they follow. Mm-hmm. And it's some place that if you find something in there that, you know, they say is their policy, but goes against, you know, CPT and CMS, you know, it's also something where you can kind of point some things out to them that maybe they need to update this because maybe their policies haven't been looked at for five years, you know, mm-hmm. is another thing, you know, that's something that should get annually, if not semi-annually, mm-hmm. you know, looks through is mm-hmm. what those policies are because we know um, now CMS, and the payors can change how they're looking at things uh, anytime they wish. So, you know, if you're waiting and waiting and never looking at it, chances are when you go back to it, some of the stuff is, is going to be outdated. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, also then um, now I like to use uh, an encoder. <laughs> so there uh, are many different encoders out there, you know, when we have the software and, um, uh, I use Encoder Pro. Uh, I don't get Optum. anything from them or, you know, mm-hmm. so I use it from Optum. They also mm-hmm. have one. Um, AAPC has one. Uh, there's a couple different kinds out there. What I like about using the encoder is that I can input all of my CPT codes, click a button, and it will show me if there's NCCI things going on there, if there's bundling things, if modifiers are allowed to bypass it. You know, I can look up in mine because I have the module that has the CPT, total CPT or something they call it. So if I click on a CPT code, I also see every article that the AMAs put out about it what they put in the changes when it first came out and, you know, all of that stuff. So I can um, click on the stuff underneath it and like go to the CPT assistant articles that the AMA wrote about it and read through those too, to see if there's something in there to support, you know, a position we're taking or something like that in it. So that's why I like to use an encoder because it saves me, Googling or looking around and trying to find all this other stuff, um, you know, you can do it all, you know, when you're within the program. Um, uh, do you have a favorite encoder or do you, do you like the Same. encoders? What's your, Same. what's your feel? Same. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. You absolutely have to um, purchase an encoder when you are an auditor. Absolutely. Um, I also use the Optum Pro encoder pro. Um, I love it. I've used it for, I guess, over a decade. It's been the only one that I've really, truly trusted. You know, um, absolutely. The modifiers, you have to see when things are bundled, when you can unbundle it, when it's allowed, those MUEs. There's so much information um, on that Optum platform that is so very useful for any specialty that you're auditing as well not just your straight up EM stuff. So yeah. I really do appreciate 
um, having that as a trusty tool, um, you know, having that open um, when you're auditing. That's a must, in my opinion. I have not used the one from the AAPC. Hopefully some people can chime in um, and see if it's any good. But um, I really do like the Optum Encoder Pro. And it's fantastic. All the articles that you can read from CPT Assistant, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, you can also, depending on how in-depth you want to get into that encoder, you can also purchase uh, an add-on module that has all of the coding clinic stuff in there. Yes. So if you're looking yes. at like HCC stuff or something like that, you know, so yep. you could avail yourself more of that side of it. So there's all these little add-on options that just saves you a lot of time. Uh, yes. And that's really, again, what we're looking to do because we, mm -hmm. we want to be efficient and we want to get through this because you know usually when we're doing these for our clients our turnaround times it's not like well you know i just want it sometime this year you know i mean we we have to make right. sure you know we're turning them around you know as as quickly as we can for our clients and so that just kind of helps up helps us yeah. get through them in a timely fashion um but if you don't use an encoder there are ways like the NCCI edits we were talking about, because I think when you're auditing, um, once again, depending on their policies, you know, the if you have Medicare patients, you know, they're going to use the NCCI edits from from your Medicare payor. Right. But on commercial pay, patients, they may or may not use the NCCI edits. So one of the things back to the compliance program thing is that it should be stated in there whether they follow or don't follow the NCCI edits for everybody. You know, maybe they say we follow them for Medicare, but not for our commercial patients. We follow the CPT guidelines for commercial patients because sometimes they don't match. Right. So um, if you find that CPT says you can bill something and you're getting denied from a payor, it's, it might be that there's an NCCI edit on it and um, that's what they go by. So um, you can go to the CMS website and here's the link. I'll, I'll put it in the chat too, where you can just, uh, they have them all in Excel. There's a bunch of Excel sheets and all of the edits are, are in there for you. So you can do a like find, you know, like in the Excel thing and you can put the code in and it will take it to you because you don't want to be trying to go down 30,000 30, cells. Right. Find your code. <laughs> but, you know, it does list them that way. So so if you um, just want to check it out or, you know, you I've had a, a, there was a practice I just recently was working with and they said that that's what they did, um, that uh, their their um, the, the practice did not purchase an encoder. Mm -hmm. And so they had to go to the NCCI edits themselves and everything that they were doing, they had to check through the edits uh, this way, through the Excel spreadsheets. So it can be done. It's a little more timely. You know, it, it takes yeah. a little, little longer to do it. Right. It's, it's, it's a free option, but it's definitely more time consuming because you have to hit that find button, right? You have to find it and then scroll down all of those um, cells. And so each one. Each one, each and yes. every CPT code, right? So you have to do it again and again and again. So it is time consuming, but it is free. So yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you got to kind of look and see, mm -hmm. you know, where, where your 
you know, what you can use and what tools you can have at your disposal. So that's why we wanted to show this is that if you can't have that or if at the practice you're at, they don't want to purchase something like that, you know, that you still can find it and you can find it at no charge. So I just put the um, the link that was up on the screen. I just put it in the chat for y'all too. Um, now, to start off the audit, no, we, we were talking about last time about how, which kind of audit you want to do, but um, I currently have one that we're starting that um, they're having us choose the charts, you know, how of the records that they want to audit, they want us to pick them uh, because it's, it's going to be random. So to do a truly random audit, what I like to do is use another piece of software that's called RAT Stats. Uh, R-A-T-S-T-A-T-S. Um, it, again, is on the OIG website. Uh, it is free software that you can download. And when you download it onto your computer and the icon for it is a big rat. Uh, I always, I like, they, they haven't changed that. I, I find yeah, that just amusing. So uh, that's how you know that's the software you want. Uh, <laughs> so it is a way to be able to get a uh, statistically statistically valid sample. It's a, such a yucky word. I know. I also make lots of boo-boos when I try and say it, but statistically valid sample. So it's, it's real, it's real quick. You put how many charts you have in total, how many records, how many you want, and how many spares you want, because you always want to ask for spares. Um, even if they're picking them, like, let's say you're going to do a 15 record. I always ask for 20 mm -hmm. and I tell them that I need five as spare in case you get to one that there's some issue with it or, uh, it's missing certain information. So it doesn't hold everything up while they're looking for things. You can go to one of the spares and still complete what you need to complete. You know, and then you just let them know, hey, this record that I was auditing didn't have whatever, you know, so they can check and make sure that it's actually there, but, you know, it's not holding you up. Um, so it will give you spares, the number of spares that you say you want. So you enter that in, you click a button and it gives you which ones to pull out. So it's nice and easy, nice and quick on, is it? YouTube, I think there's a bunch of like tutorial there are yes videos that you can watch that they put up on different ways you can use mm -hmm. this free software. So um, uh, and since that's what the government uses when they're looking. So I'm like, OK, well, I'm using what they're using so we can say and I always put that in my audit reports that this is the software I use to pull out the truly random sample. You know, so um, that's what I like to use. So uh, it, it's very quick and easy. You know, you're done, can pull them out, and you're ready to rock and roll, right? Exactly. Yep. So, uh, and this is one, again, I will put that over in the chat box for everybody. Can't wait till Mary gets back and she can do, oh, hello. Oh, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's good. Until uh, Mary gets back and she can do all this for us. <laughs> so, um, so that's what I use. There is the we use. I use the rat stats. Mm -hmm. So uh, other things that you use, Sonal, when you are doing audits besides the NCCI edits and the rat stats. Well, I always I always need to 
um, audit specific to the payer, right? We keep talking about Medicare. There's also Medicaid that you need to audit, right? Medicaid from state to state has wonderful public policies that are available on the web, right? So you have to really be savvy and, you know, use some elbow grease and find those payer policies, whether it's commercial as well. Aetna has tons. All of the blues have their own. Anthem is carved out separately, right? For You have to pick, pick your state of Ohio or California Anthem, right? So you have to really um, understand what the payer is, right? Because that is based on the reimbursement. And so we can't forget that really critical component to the audit, right? It's not just about the documentation or the CPT code. It has to be about that that payer's policy um, that has to be followed for each and every client. So I think that's really, really important. And I think over my years, I've seen many an audit um, that doesn't provide that specific piece of information. When I've reviewed past audits that the provider or hospitals have had, previous companies or consultants or entities, whoever they are, did not provide that very necessary criteria in my mind about that reimbursement payer policy, you know, who actually paid on that claim um, in 2012, right? I need to know. And that cell on my Excel spreadsheet, on their Excel spreadsheet was non-existent. It wasn't created, right? So there's things like that, that I think um, are really critical when you perform an audit is don't forget that payer policy. That's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. They, they really, uh, I, I found sometimes, uh, because it's hard, especially if you're a large practice or a large multi-clinic, you know, kind of place, um, to, to code and submit claims by payer policy. You know, I mean, there's just so many of them that, uh, most places just can't keep up. Now I do have some small, smaller practices that because they do like they're a specialty. So there's a limited number, you know, of code that they do. Um, so they can kind of, they say, you know, I know for this payer and for that payer. And so they do switch it up, which again is something you need to know when you're going to audit them so that you're auditing them fairly. Um, but uh, a lot of times, they'll look and as we talk about doing the audit when i'm doing the report i'll make a notation that blue cross blue shield of north dakota or you know wherever i did you know their their policy says blah 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 and that wasn't notated in the chart note so i had to disallow that cpt code and they'll come back to me and won't understand, you know, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, the payor was Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Dakota. And they have a policy that says, you know, this has to be notated in the documentation. It wasn't in there. They're clueless. I have no idea. So either they've been getting denied for it and don't realize it, right. or they've been getting denied and can't understand and are appealing and they can't win their appeals and don't know why. You know, so I, there's a lot of things like that, that that come out when we do audits. You know, I, I'm sure you found that too, right, Sona? 100%. That is one of my biggest issues with how our landscape 
of coding has been done. Um, I think I've said this many times in different platforms, but I really do think that disconnect starts right there as a coder, right? You are not, I remember, I was not ever instructed to code the service with a pair policy in mind, right? It was simply to code based on that CPT code or the HICPIX code, right? Based on the documentation. Nowhere did anybody ever say, well, why don't you acknowledge who that, you know, patient has as a insurance carrier, right? That was mm-hmm. never discussed when I started as a coder, right? So in my subsequent roles as an auditor, I see all of the trickle-down effect of things like you stated being denied, right? And things are held up. And when the auditor goes in and looks and we have all of our tools and that, you know, number two tool is that reimbursement, payer policy, right? And it's right there once you find it that particular service is not even allowed. Like you said, it's a disallowed service based on Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Dakota and Blue Cross Blue Shield, North Carolina, right? There were two patients at that entity um, that had that particular insurance and that same service. And those two patients' services were denied, right? And that's kind of a basic reason. Um, It just was about the payer policy that was it. It was that simple. Um, so the code was right. The diagnosis was right. The documentation's great. Everything's fine, but it will never be paid because of payer policy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be done and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that our coding professions, our auditing professionals, you know, things will turn much more analytical And some critical thinking skills are going to have to really be ramped up um, as we start our careers in coding. Um, So we can start sending out claims, you know, much more, quote unquote, cleanly now, you know, moving forward. Um, Because I think we've really missed many, many opportunities to send those claims out clean for all of these decades. Um, just my two yeah. cents there but yeah yeah and that that's why you know some larger places they have those claim scrubbers mm-hmm. you know so they'll input the stuff it goes through the scrubber at night and then the yeah. next day you have the work queue like right. you know but right. those things are but very expensive those um, are yep yeah yeah so expensive so it, it uh for smaller practices and places like that you just really need your staff to keep up on that which again is another thing that's keeping them busy and taking up time. But if you want to get paid, Mm -hmm. these are things you have to know, you know, you have to be able to to get paid for the services y'all are doing. And so you need to understand all the payer policies that you have in play here. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one place where having an audit, you know, can be helpful to a practice, you know, having an outside audit done because they may Mm -hmm. come out with something like that, that the practice wasn't even aware of. Um, You know, another thing with doing the audit, I always make sure when I'm working my spreadsheet, um, you know, that I'm notating any undercoding or missed revenue, you know, that's there too, because 
I usually find, in my opinion, most of the times when I see that the level from the documentation doesn't match the level that the physician assigned for it or the APP, you know, usually it's because the physician under documented. Right. I don't get a lot where they're just all, I'm so great. Everything I do is a five. And, you know, I, I don't really get a lot of that, honestly. Uh, a lot of mine uh, are more that they're under documenting, not over coding. So um, it's something that I always make sure I make comments on because as I go through an audit, I, I have a comments whole column where I'm always putting that kind of stuff in there uh, about, you know, the patient's presenting problem was an exacerbated chronic issue, but, you know, they didn't say that it was flaring or that it wasn't at goal or, you know, they're, they're not putting that information in there that's necessary to support that level four, that level five, um, you know, and, and so, as you're auditing it, I, I can't give it to them. I mean, I, I can see, and you can kind of tell, you know, just like, you know, when we've done this for so long, you're looking at it going, oh, you know, and you're yeah. end up having to give them a two or a three and you're like, oh man, I feel so bad, you know, but that's one of those educational points. Um, a lot of times I find missed revenue from under documenting or just, I thought the nurse was checking that off on the encounter form when they did. I had one practice that they were missing a lot of revenue from injections because the physician would say the patient needed an injection. He would go on to the next patient. The nurse would come in and give the injection. Now this was back in the old encounter mm -hmm. form, you know, right. go up and she wasn't marking it on the encounter form. Mm -hmm. She thought he did it because he mm -hmm. ordered it. He was like, well, no, I didn't do it. She did it. So <laughs> it turns out nobody was doing it. So they weren't getting the drug money back. Wow. And they weren't getting paid for doing the injections. So I, I when I did the, and that was one of his concerns when they had me come in was that there is this, I don't know where all our revenues at, you know, like we're losing all this money. I don't know how, you know, I'm like, well, you know, so all of that stuff and, and uh, those drugs are very costly. Uh, and, and, you know, back in the day, they used to be able to get a little bit more back than what they can now. Um, so it was definitely a big revenue loss to them for not having those things done. So um, a, a lot of times we'll, we'll come across stuff like that and having the audit done pays for itself basically, um, because of the stuff that we find. Um, and it also pays for itself in just the whole compliance and you, you know, have the peace of mind that you're covered, but really a lot of times we do find things that aren't billed. Uh, um, and again, Somal, I'm sure you have a, have a story. Of absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. When you go in for the audit, it's not just something that is punitive, right? I always like to go in with that kind of a mindset, right? Because we've seen so many records in our decades, right? We know that things aren't fully captured. There's always money on the table. Um, so you're absolutely right. That comments column on our Excel spreadsheet is key um, because as you go in from patient to patient, you can make comments, right? On why this is underdocumented, right? How can you improve that documentation language right, to support um, the fact that the patient's diagnosis, their condition was exacerbated, right? We need to see stronger language in there to support that new 
99214, right? So there's many things that can be done for documentation improvement, and you make those notes in the comment section. But again, when you have surgeries, there are so many coders that still code from just the, the header of the operative report, right? You're missing other potential services when you actually read, take the time to read that body of the op report entirely, right? Um, so there's been many cases where things have been missed over the years. And then later in our conversation in a few weeks, that's when we can talk about, right, how do you present those findings, right? Those more rich findings to your providers. Um, and that's where everything comes full circle. It's a win-win, right? Yeah. Yes, we have some dings on our comments, but we also have a lot of good things that they did. Um, so yeah, it's really important to, to disclose and be transparent in an audit. Yeah. Everything that, that you see. Yep. Yep. Grabiella um, said that she sees missed revenue for smoking and tobacco cessation mm -hmm. because everything besides the time has been documented and it's mm -hmm. a time-based code. Exactly. Yeah, right. A lot of times it's a little thing. It's like there's one thing missing mm -hmm. and that kind of knocks it off. And th this, again, the, the cessation mm -hmm. is not a highly paid code, but if you're doing it patient Patient, patient. You know, I mean, yeah. it adds up. It adds up. You know? yeah. so it's, uh, in fact, I have a, a client right now, uh, a cardiology client I was working with, that um, they were not reporting moderate sedation. Now, you don't get anything other than that first code, you know, mm -hmm. because Medicare considers everything else technical, blah, blah, blah. So, but, and when they looked at it for the facility, the, the reimbursement's like $12.50 mm -hmm. or something. But again, it was like, well, we do this all day long. I'm like, that's my point. You know, so sometimes it's something little that mm -hmm. adds up. And like I said, it can pay for the entire audit that's being done. Exactly. Um, and, and with that um, cessation, the, the smoking cessation, just a little pointer here about that one, um, y'all, uh, because I've seen this and actually somebody got called out about that at the CPT symposium one year. Um, don't don't bill for it if the patient didn't ask you for it, you know, because you think you need to talk to every smoker about why it's good for them to quit and then think you can bill for that. No, that that's not a good idea. Uh, if the patient didn't ask for it, right. then it's not a service that you should be reporting. Um, there was a case at, at the CPT symposium one year, somebody asked about why do y'all put codes in CPT <laughs> that we can't get paid for? And um, they said, well, it's not a billing book, you know, it's to report the services you did. So you did the service, we have codes for you to report that because if nobody's reporting it, you're never going to get paid for it. But if there's ways to report it, then it might become a payable service at some point. And uh, somebody then had come up when the Medicare administrative contractor directors were up on the stage and said that they had gotten into uh, an argument with one of the patients that they had done the smoking cessation mm -hmm. on, you know, that told them that they shouldn't smoke, blah, blah, blah. And they billed for it and they got paid for it. 
and um, the patient had their 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 amount and the patient refused to pay it because he said, I like smoking. I didn't <laughs> ask you to tell me how to stop smoking. I didn't want that service. And so she was like, the lady was trying to say, you know, what? And the the con, the director said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, you're telling me <laughs> that you forced a service on a patient that didn't ask for it, that didn't want it. And now you're trying to make them pay for it after you tried to have us pay for it. And you, you could see the recognition was starting to come across her face as he was putting the questioning that way mm -hmm. to her. She was just like, oh, you know, I was like, oh, I felt so bad for the poor thing. And he was just like, don't never, ever do something <laughs> like that. We will very much come after you for things like that. Wow. So if they don't want it, you're done. Don't don't force things on the on the patients like that. Um, oh, and uh, let's see, Debbie's asking, where can she find an audit spreadsheet? Um, I personally created my own and I'm sure someone will create my own, but mm -hmm. I, I think you need to, um, customize it to whatever kind of audit you're doing and whatever you're looking at. Like sometimes it might be E&M, sometimes it might be surgical things. Sometimes it might be diagnosis things for like HCC or something. So all dependent, but basic information I usually have on mine is a medical record number, the date of service, uh, what was the codes that were put out by the provider uh, or the client, whoever, you know, does the coding there, what I coded it as when I audited it. And then I have a column for comments. So basically that's what I go off of. Is that similar to what you do, Sonal? Yes. And I also have a column for the payer as well. I also have a little cell for yes, Aetna. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, yeah. But yes, yeah, yes. it needs to be simple and then changeable for each of your providers, right? And then it'll just become second nature to you to um, yep. have your own audit spreadsheet. Yeah. Yep. And Haley brought out a good point with CPT about the code stuff. She says, you have to keep in mind the CPT is used in multiple countries. And who's to say that a code isn't paid in Europe, but not paid, you know, in the United States. So yeah, it, it, it very well could be that in some countries they accept certain codes and others that they don't very, very definitely. Uh, and what's interesting, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but um, one year I met someone from South Africa at the mm -hmm. CPT symposium because people come from all over to attend it. And um, they were using CPT, but they were using CPT from like four years ago. Yeah. So like different countries also use them from different times, mm -hmm. um, which I found very interesting. So um, if you ever are talking to someone um, from somewhere else and they're talking about CPT, you might want to ask them what year CPT they're using because it might not be the same as the current mm -hmm. year because of like how they receive it or I, I don't remember how they, you know, uh, got through that, but yeah, it's not always going to be the same as what you're using uh, here in the States. Um, and then, oh, we only have two minutes left. Um, see, that went fast again, didn't it? So <laughs> And that, so um, the, we were going to kind of just talk about audit software a little bit, but I don't think we really have time. Like I said, I, I'm not a big audit um, uh, software person myself, but for those of y'all that want to look into some audit software, 
Um, Gebs, G-E-B-B-S, is a company that has a um, Atom Audit, A-T-O-M, Atom Audit, MD Audit, IntelliCode, uh, again, Healthicity, um, ReviewMate, and I think there was another one, uh, Sonal, that you had mentioned. Uh, we have a good friend, Shirley Moy, and she yes. has Swift Audit, Swift yes. Audit, S-W-I-F-T. Audit. Yeah. So those are just a couple things to kind of check out. Uh, having audit software can save you time uh, on the front end and can kind of make templated reports out, which we'll talk about reports next time. So we'll we'll uh, maybe bring up the audit software again then because we can talk about different ways that you can use it um, because you can uh, use the audit software not for doing the audit, but also using it for the reporting purposes instead. So there's different ways that you may want to use it, but not use it fully to what they can be used for. Um, but but we'll talk about that next time. Um, oh, Barbara. Uh, hey, Barbara, by the way. Um, Barbara says that she's hey, used Health the City. So maybe next time when we talk about the reporting, we can round back to that. And Barbara, if you're joining, you know, maybe you can put in some comments on that for us and for everybody else that's listening. Um, but uh, thanks, y'all, for joining us today. And we'll have our part three. Uh, I did not write it down before uh, our session today, but we'll have our part three coming out where we'll talk about the after you're done, you know, doing the reports, presenting the reports, uh, things like that, what, what to include in the reports. Um, and uh, so that will probably be, I think it's in June, though, right? I think it's in June. Because May, I think we only have one more session in May, and I, I think of a different guest uh, for that. So yes, yes. Uh, and uh, by the way, I uh, Stacy Buck is going to be, uh, going to be a guest uh, oh, in wow. one Great. of the upcoming ones. Yeah, I'm really awesome. excited about awesome. that, having her. Um, yes. So uh, wonderful. So thanks, y'all. Sonal, any parting words from you? Thank you. No, this was another great session. I hope our audience understands um, the audit process and how tools are our friends since we are the auditors. So use those tools. Love it. Definitely. All right, y'all. Well, um, we will see y'all again soon. And um, thanks for spending some time with us today and have a good weekend. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. And finally, I focus season nine spark on success. I want this ninth season spark to be filled with our world's thought leaders, writers, artists, philosophers, everyone who inspires the need for success in all we strive to do. So in this week's inspiring quote in spark is from Robert F. Kennedy. Only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. Absolutely true, right? I think this is an amazing quote that reminds us that we must dare greatly. It is our bravery that allows us to soar, to dare. It is only with that leap of faith in ourselves that we can achieve greatness. I think this quote inspires us to not be scared, to not be timid, but rather to be bold. I think this quote reminds us that if we fail at something, it's okay. It is okay to remind ourselves that we actually tried something. We took a chance on ourselves. 
we took a chance on our ideas. This quote inspires us to get up and get up again and keep on trying. I'm happy Robert F. Kennedy's spark still shines on in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. And as always, I appreciate you all diving into today with me. If you want more information from me, please go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Now, in my final note today, I wanted to remind you all to take some time out each and every day for yourselves. I know our lives are so, so busy, but we've got to slow down and make that time for ourselves. Remind ourselves that it's our mental health that's equally as important as our physical health, right? So let me know how you guys unwind. What do you do to clear your heads and just breathe? Now, I'm going to be wishing you all an amazing week ahead. Thank you guys so much for listening in on today's very special episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.